You're listening to episode 101 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about owning your accomplishments. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey, hey, humans. I'm here in Alaska. I had a classic Alaskan day at the yurt with sun and rain and snow and sun again. <laughs> it was the perfect mellow way to celebrate the 100th episode of the Rebel Buddhist podcast that came out last week. So I was thinking about the shizzle I had to overcome to be able to start this podcast, let alone get to 100 episodes and now 101. And one of them was imposter syndrome. And I think about how when I've accomplished other things in my life too, like getting my doctoral degree or creating my adventure-based lifestyle, I think, oh, that doctoral program wasn't as competitive the year I applied. Or I can only pull off this lifestyle because my husband is such an adventurer, right? Like I wasn't owning what I created, what I created. And I dove into various aspects of imposter syndrome in episode 88. And in that episode, I talk about the structural and societal contributors to imposter syndrome and how it totally makes sense that it all arises. Like being socialized as a woman in a patriarchal system, um, being a person in a consumer-based system that wants you to feel less than, so you buy more. And I also dive into self-doubting thoughts and how self-compassion can be an antidote to them and how to choose thoughts that serve you better. In that episode, I focused on when imposter syndrome arises, when hard things happen that trigger it as well. Today, I want to talk about an amazing tool I started to use to overcome my own imposter syndrome because, yes, it still pops up. Y'all, it's part of the human condition, okay? But the good news is using the tools in episode 88 and what I'm going to talk about today when the imposter syndrome arises, it helps me to not be as easily hooked. Using mindfulness of thoughts and the thought model to overcome self-doubt, right? Because imposter syndrome really is a bunch of self-doubt thoughts, not actual facts. So like using mindfulness of thoughts can be so helpful with this. We start to notice, oh, I am having self-doubting thoughts. And I learned this tool I'm going to share at a business mastermind I went to in Austin recently. And Rachel Hart, who's actually a stopover drinking coach, she taught us how she used this in her own business, which is like humongous. And because entrepreneurship is one way to get deep into your spiritual and personal growth dirty laundry in a big way, I saw how this can apply to things outside of business as well. So I want to share it here because whether you have a business or not, imposter syndrome and self-doubt will arise. It arises in relationships when we get graspy and act all creepy and clingy when we get insecure. Or when we think about leaving a good enough relationship when we know it's just not right. It arises at work when we want to ask for a promotion or consider leaving a secure job for something more exciting and freeing, but maybe less predictable. It shows up when we plan a solo trip to an adventurous place and when we want to learn a new skill or take up a new hobby or apply to graduate school. 
it shows up when we feel lonely and when we want to start new friendships when we're like in our 40s, which, ask me how I know, feels super awkward sometimes. Am I right? (laughs) It shows up when we set big goals for ourselves and start to wonder if we can really pull it off. And it also shows up on the daily things that we need to get done every day and how much we get done or not. It shows up everywhere, especially when we aren't getting enough sleep and are tired or not eating well or not getting enough exercise or when life sends us speed bumps and one too many or a lot too many. And we start to think things are hard because we're not cut out for it. You know, it's kind of obvious when we're like, yeah, I totally see how imposter syndrome can show up in those scenarios when shit's hard. But the sneaky way it can show up is when we downplay our accomplishments. Like me thinking I got to 100 episodes and now this is where things start to go downhill because it had nothing to do with me. It just got lucky or something, right? (laughs) We can easily lose sight of what we have accomplished, what we have created, how far we have come. And when that happens, we think that the only reason we had any good things happen in our life is because of luck, that all our success and accomplishments thus far have been a fluke. So if we use the thought model and see episode 18, how to coach yourself for more on the mindfulness model, we can recognize we are in an imposter syndrome when we discount our results what we've created, despite massive evidence to the contrary. So like we have this accomplishment, and even though we have so much evidence about how we created it, we downplay it, right? Our role in it. Or we attribute the success to someone else. Oh, like they were just lonely. That's why they agreed to date me. Or, oh, they picked me because I look good on paper, but I'm not so rock star in real life, right? We have a lot of self-doubt thoughts in the thought line of the model that show doubt in our skills, ability, and confidence. And we see our results as not actually like a big deal. We downplay them. Or we see it as actually part of someone else's result and we tagged along for the ride, like some kind of stowaway, right? Or we think it was a fluke, it's not a big deal, or I couldn't have done it without so-and-so. So talking about owning our accomplishments can be tricky in a spiritual context because we're taught to be humble and not to brag and not to be egocentric. And in fact, most people socialized as women were taught this, right? But intention is important here. So I want you to not fall into the thought error that owning your accomplishments is like self-aggrandizing, right? Look, if imposter syndrome is keeping you from bringing your gifts to the world, which really, really needs them, by the way, I really believe that. We are all here for a purpose. The world needs you. Yes, you, not somebody else, your gift. And if it's keeping you from loving yourself and seeing your true Buddha nature and committing to your practice because you don't think it'll ever come to fruition, Or if you're stuck thinking you're not capable of the growth you want to create in your life. Or if people in this world are not able to benefit from your gifts because of you holding back, that is something we need to get on top of. Yes, doubt is part of the path, but it's an obstacle, not something to strive towards. There's a difference 
between not being egocentric and self-doubt. Not being egocentric looks like we are interconnected and interrelated. And for that, I am grateful. I appreciate how I have grown and evolved and what I created. And I thank all the things that have contributed to this, all the beings. Self-doubt is like, this has nothing to do with what I've done because I'm not good enough to have created this. It was all because of other people or because of luck. Do you see the difference? So in a model where we are in imposter syndrome, our accomplishment is in the circumstance line. Like we have a thought about our accomplishment. Everybody can agree that we live in the house we live in or that we have the job we have or drive the car we drive or have traveled to the many places we've traveled, right? It's a fact. But then we start to have thoughts about it and imposter syndrome thoughts, like it's a fluke. So then what's the feeling that arises from that thought? We maybe feel dismissive about it. So our action is we ignore our accomplishments and success. We downplay things and credit others for our success. And the result, not a surprise, we keep the shitty story about ourselves and our capabilities. And we're a lot less likely to take effective action. We play small. We don't commit to our practice or our goals and we get stuck in confusion. We get easily distracted. We can't focus. And there are systemic barriers I spoke about in episode 88, right? Racist institutions, patriarchal institutions, homophobia, classism that provide the context into which we interpret our accomplishments and that contribute to why it feels and can feel dangerous to play big, to dream big, to aspire towards something like enlightenment. So when we have feelings of fear, doubt, and hopelessness, these are red flags that there is imposter syndrome going on. And we can use mindfulness of thoughts to catch what's going on in our brains when we feel this way. What thoughts are creating these feelings? It was a fluke. It's not a big deal. So-and-so really made it happen. It's just because she was being nice. I don't belong here. So can you see how these look like sweet, innocent thoughts? Like, oh, I'm just sharing the limelight, like modesty. And we think these are innocent, but they are sneaky as fuck. And underlying these beliefs are even more thoughts that are usually more unkind towards ourselves. They invalidate our accomplishments and gifts, right? All right. So what do we do with this? Well, one of the things we can do is move our accomplishments from the thing we're having thoughts about down to the part in the model where it's the result we create, right? The results line. So instead of having thoughts about our accomplishments, we acknowledge that the results we created, our accomplishments, right? We acknowledge that we created this result and we move up the model. We see our results and ask ourselves, what actions did I take to create this result? This has been life-changing for me. To actually pause and ask myself, how did I create these results? Owning that I actually created it. Because when I don't, I hesitate before every episode. 
I question my purpose. I spin in confusion. I hold back. I don't tell people about the amazing things I created to help them live a life of no regrets, which means there are more people walking around with regret and not making the most of this one precious human life on this miracle of a planet because I'm not owning my accomplishments, my results that I've created. So in that scenario, how is my not owning what I created a good thing? It's not, right? I need to own this so I can see that I can make a difference in this world and you can too. This is so important for all of us to see. So when we own our accomplishments as a result that we've created and not as some circumstance out there that life made happen to us, it builds a body of evidence that we created it and that it wouldn't have happened otherwise because we were central to it being created. Look, I did it. So if you find you're doing a lot of self-coaching and meditating on your thoughts that are no longer helpful and trying to change them into more useful thoughts and it's not getting you anywhere, try this, what we just went over. Identify an accomplishment that you're not taking ownership of, that you're downplaying, dismissing, attributing to someone else. Now, this doesn't mean other people never influence your outcome, but you also took action. Own that. And also own that you are a part of others helping you, accepting that help, being open to it, asking for it, seeing the opportunities. And how about this? Start to look at how actions you've taken that you took to create a result. Look at how the actions you've taken are their circumstance that led to thoughts and feelings that led them to helping you. You played a role in that. Let's give an example. Let's say you weren't happy at your job and a friend recommends you to a job position they heard about and you get it and you're so much happier there and you love your job now. Your imposter syndrome mind might think, I would have never gotten the interview without them, let alone the job. If my friend didn't help me, I'd be stuck right where I was because I can't do it on my own. And I probably only got it because I knew them. So in this case, you'd apply the antidote to this by asking yourself how your actions are your friend's circumstance, not a fluke. So you start by asking yourself, what actions have I taken to create the result I have right now? Maybe you list, in this example, told people I was looking for a new position, put together a kick-ass resume, rocked it at my current job. My friend knows I'm good at what I do showed up as the type of person someone would recommend. Because y'all, I had a friend once ask me to set them up with a friend of mine. And I was like, dude, I love you, but I will never, ever, ever set you up with a friend of mine. He was a good friend, not so good a partner, in my opinion, (laughs) right? You were, in this example, honest, trustworthy, fun to be with, maybe studied a relevant field, gathered work experience to prepare for this rocked the interview, showed up prepared, dressed like a badass, answered questions eloquently, confidently. You were personable, made them laugh, impressed them, negotiated time off well. You see the whole trail of actions you took to create this result. And we can go way back to fucking kindergarten, all the things you did to lead you to this moment. Then you take that. Then you let yourself see that your actions influenced the way your friend thought about you. Because of actions you've taken, they thought, wow, my friend would be perfect for this. 
and they're not going to embarrass me, right? And therefore, your actions impacted the way they felt about you, which maybe is proud or excited or supportive or whatever, and then led to their action of referring you or recommending you. Can you see this? Yeah. So we can create a body of evidence to show ourselves that we created a certain result. And then if we find ourselves attributing our results to somebody else, we show how our actions help them formulate thoughts about us and feelings that led to the action of helping us. And an even deeper layer of this work, y'all, is ask yourself, who were you being and what were you thinking that led you to taking those actions? Because our thoughts influence our feelings, which drive what we do or don't do. My guess is, at the time you rocked it or showed up in a way that impressed people or said yes to the adventures, you were not believing you weren't worthy. At the time, you probably had thoughts like, like maybe it wasn't like, I have fucking got this, but at least being able to envision it with thoughts like, this is possible for me. I can do this. I think I can do this. Or I can see how I could be a perfect fit for this. Reflecting on all of this helps you take ownership of your results, of your accomplishments. Okay, so here's what I want you to do again, just to summarize it for you, okay? This is your homework. Pick something you aren't taking full ownership of right now an accomplishment, a result you're really appreciating right now, but often it's something we're afraid of losing or afraid we're not able to create it again. Something you might think was a fluke or due to someone else or something that you think you just lucked out on. Then make a list of all the actions you took and the way you were being, the thoughts you were having that led you to create that result, right? Yeah, even deeper. What were you believing at the time you took those creative actions? How were you showing up in the world that created your amazing results? Own it, my friend. Own it. This will help you be of benefit to more people. And that is a very, very good thing. If you like what you heard, please spread the love and share it. And if you know you need some help with this and want to learn more, about how to free your mind and free your life, go to rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist Toolkit where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, access to the private Rebel Buddhist group where I do weekly live sessions on topics just like this, and a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more for free. That's rebelbuddhist.com.